We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. My name is Mary Jo Parrish, and today we're doing Jesus Conversations with author and speaker Heather King, and our topic is Barriers to Receiving Love. Heather King is a well-renowned author and speaker, one of my favorite authors. Welcome, Heather. We are so glad to have you. Thank you, Mary Jo. Um, Heather will be one of the speakers that will be joining us at our Kingdom Builder Conference and that's going to be held October 1st, 2022. And tickets can be found on our website. That's buildingthroughhim.com. And so we're super excited to have Heather joining us for our conference. The topic is everything is grace or all is grace because that is a quote from St. Teresa Lisieux. And um, we're just going to be childlike and like walk into that day and embrace these nationally known speakers and the adoration. We're just going to have an amazing, an amazing conference. So let's go ahead and start with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we praise you and thank you for the gift of all your beloved daughters. And we ask for you to unveil today any barriers that keep your daughters from seeing the beauty of their design. We ask you to unveil today any spirits that are keeping them from receiving love from others, and most especially from you. And we ask, Lord, for an outpouring upon this conversation and those that listen to this conversation, that our minds, our bodies, our souls would receive an anointing, Lord, an outpouring of your Spirit. We ask this all in your name. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So, Heather, I told you that the first book I received— the first book that I received was actually from one, one of my friends, Monsignor Heinz, and it's called Ravished. And I could not believe how raw and real you were. I was like, oh my gosh, that authenticity was so like powerful. And so being that accomplished author and speaker with the words that you have that like so raw, real, authentic, and you're so funny. Like you can like step back and call yourself out and then just laugh at your mistakes and then like talk about it. You have that ability to embrace your design without like tearing it apart, you know? And I think as lay Catholic women, it is so hard to embrace our designs. You show the courage to go to those places of discomfort or embarrassment, and you allow God to love you right there in that mess. So what has that journey of learning to receive the Father's love looked like in your life? (laughs) <laughs> I know it's uh, a big thanks. question. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, big question and ongoing. Yes. But yes, it's. I will say it has definitely been a huge journey. I think, you know, there's a Catholic writer I love. You all mm-hmm. may know of her, a, a novelist and short story writer, Flannery O'Connor, yes. 20th century. Mm-hmm. And she has this wonderful quote. She has a lot of wonderful quotes, but one of them is, we are all rather blessed in our deprivations mm-hmm. if we allow ourselves to be. And I think 
One of the greatest gifts, speaking of grace, that I've had is to really have been brought to my knees by alcoholism, first of all, at 20 years as an active, low, kind of low bottom drunk. I somehow graduated from law school during that time. I wasn't a Catholic yet. I, I'm a convert. I came in in 96, but it, I I came up against something, and I think this is a great gift against which everything that our culture tells us will win the day. Our intelligence, our willpower, our good looks if we're young, our charm, (laughs) our organizational skills, our drive. And I came and I came up and I had all of that. I mean, I I graduated from law school with honors somehow in the midst of my alcoholism, but I couldn't, none of that availed against. The, my disease of alcoholism. And it was a, it really brought me to my knees. And, and when I sobered up, my family had an intervention, sent me to a treatment center. That was the beginning of my conversion because I understood intuitively something has happened that could not have happened by any kind of logic or rationality. The obsession to drink was removed. And number one, and two, I was welcomed back to the human table, no questions asked, as the father welcomes back the prodigal son. Right. And as it happens, I just turned 70 last week. I'm not (laughs) married. I don't have children. So I've always been sort of, I mean, my alcoholism put me on the fringe in a way. And then those things are another which I've absolutely come to accept, and this is my station in life, and I've come into full flower, but they're a form of poverty, a sort of social poverty, a social status, a poverty of companionship, all kinds of things. But those, the point is, those that poverty has allowed me, I think, to receive, Mm. right? We're really geared all of us type A personalities, as women, I think in particular, it's okay, we'll give till it hurts, get out of the way, I'll organize, I'll get stuff done, I'll I'll bleed, I'll open my bed. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus says, I came so that you can have joy mm. and have it abundantly. Amen. So, right, discerning that dividing line between when when is the giving sort of becoming unhealthy and right. right it's way more vulnerable to receive, too. It so, is. That is so right? true. Yes. Yeah. I would much rather make someone a meal than, like, have someone bring me a meal. It's like, oh, uh, you know, like, it's like totally. you're, you, yeah, it's like all your forces are, like, stripped down. It's like you just have to receive it, you know? Exactly. I always feel like I can't thank the person enough right. because I know how much work goes yes. into it. And I'm so grateful and all of that. And then that, that can get sort of smarmy. And so you have to learn how to receive graciously. And, and it's, I think it's a process for right. all of us. Right. The one lie that I renounce commonly is that I have to work harder to earn God's love. You know, right. like, somehow he's not omnipotent, that he actually needs me to do this work. And it's like, <laughs> now nah, he could do it, obviously, Mary Jo. Like, I, lo- logically, I know that. But in the midst of, like, like loving all these people and, like, loving people in their brokenness and helping them know the love of the Lord, sometimes, like, my pride gets to me and I'm like, I, be- I believe I become the Savior. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not the Savior. Step yourself back. Right. And, and then the other part is when I was praying with a woman one time, she said, hey, you know, you have to remember to be a daughter 
before you're a mother. You have to receive, mm. otherwise you can't give. And so, like, knowing that, knowing that, like, the, fa- the father wants me to be his daughter before I go and mother all these people, again, it's a vulnerability thing. Like, oh, you don't need to love me. Just love everyone else. Like, yeah, I'll suffer. I'll keep on suffering. I remember even saying, like, many times, like, oh, I suffer well. I, You know, I've passed many kidney stones, have lots of babies. But, like, like that was some type of, you know, pride thing on my part. And it's like, what? Why can't you just, like, receive love well? You know, it's that balance of the two. Exactly. Or suffer badly. Yes. Often, oftentimes. Right. So true. Yeah, <laughs> so true. And this is Therese. This is Therese, mm-hmm. right? She was so part of her genius. And, and I think, for me, it's hard to get my mind around. She was so absolutely convinced without any argument beyond all doubt that she was beloved not not in a prideful way but she just didn't she didn't have that sort of neurotic oh at least after she the age of 13 when she reached her spiritual maturity she just didn't seem to this the things i think that many of us including me agonize about she seemed to have moved beyond and realized instinctively this is not doing honor to Christ. It's a, he came to fulfill the law. And I think part of yes. that is he says, ask and you shall receive. Mm. I mean, that's a good question to ponder for ourselves. How often do I ask? Mm-hmm. Well, when we're praying with people, one of the questions I begin with is like, if Jesus was right here and he said, what do you want? Because he is, what would you say? Men and are more quickly to answer that because we. I also pray with men. Women, Oh, they'd have to dance around it. It's for them to actually say <laughs> what they want. There's a, a movie that was shot a while ago, and this one guy is saying to the girl, what do you want? What do you want? She's like, I don't know. I don't know. She's like trying to fix her barrette and do all these sorts of things. Like to ask the father, you know, it's not just receiving, but it's actually asking what we want, you know, and, and determining what is that that we want, you know, like to actually dream big and to ask the Father for big things. And Therese was so good about that. Like, there's there's some quote that talks about, uh, as she compares herself to St. Teresa of Avila, that, you know, like, she's so holy, you know, she's so high and intelligent, like, I'll never be able to be anything like her because I wasn't designed to be like her. But I just lift my hands up in the air, and the Lord takes me even higher because I just let Him. You know, something along those lines, like, right. He raises her higher because of her childlike faith and being able to, to receive His love. Yes. Yes, absolutely right. She talks about the divine elevator, by, by, oh, which, yes. by which Jesus lifts us up to Him. No, I think, but that's a that point is very well taken, Mary Jo, apropos of asking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking this morning, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be open. And Christ always has a deep heart for the person who's willing to step out to make a fool of him or herself in front of, he knows what peer pressure is. And yes. look how the blind man who steps out, the leper, mm-hmm. who one leper out of 10, prostrates himself. Thank you, Lord. The the Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree. Oh, look at the little runt up there in the tree. And Jesus loves those people. Yes. The woman who right washes his feet with her hair, who cares that she's a prostitute? She loves him. Mm-hmm. And he, that kind of desire, letting it burn bright. And we have Therese, who herself, as we know, 
went to the Pope in Rome. She wanted to (laughs) enter the cloister at the age of 15, which was below the minimum age, and she cajoled her father into going to Rome. And in her audience with the Pope, went against the orders of the papal guard and all protocol and and knelt at his feet and mm. said, Holy Father, Holy Father, please let me enter the, the Carmel at 15. And I just think that is so emblematic. Mm. While, while at the same time, utterly modest and humble and unassuming and never complained and completely appropriate to her station. But when it came to her vocation, she knew to ask. Yes. It wasn't burdening the Lord. Like her ask was actually like a fulfillment of the love because she fully intended to receive, you know, that full faith of, of moving forward. When you talked about like being willing to be a fool for the Lord, because when you, there's a fine line between like fool and faith. Like when you're walking in faith, like it can feel super foolish sometimes. Like logically, it's like, okay, none of this makes sense. But like the Lord's laid down my heart. I was pregnant with our fifth child. And he was like, you really need to do foster care. And that was completely illogical. But every time I went back into prayer, it was so clear that he wanted us to do foster care at that moment. And then we were Mm -hmm. blessed with two daughters during that process. Not that it wasn't difficult, but that's what he wanted. And so like moving in faith, when he's when he's speaking to us, even if it looks foolish to the whole rest of the world, that's hard sometimes. But if you think of it as, and this is how I, I try to like remind myself, if you were holding the Christ child as a baby and you were willing to be like, hello, you're just a cute little boy, you know, to get the smile, the reaction, <laughs> or, you know, this to be a fool for the baby Jesus, like, okay, we can be a fool for him, you know, as adults. But again, going back to that childlike, you do anything to, you know, make a baby smile, especially if it's the Christ child, you'd be willing to be a fool there. Then why wouldn't you be willing to be a fool as an adult? If he's calling you to that, then be prepared yeah. to receive. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. And at the same time, we don't just do willy-nilly kind of insane, right. not thought out things either. And that's where our spiritual directors and guides and all that come in. And holy um, friendships. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when, this is not just women, but women and men who are dealing with that spirit of unworthiness, you know, I think that's a common barrier just to receiving love and mm-hmm. especially to receiving God's love. They are living with that weight of, I'm unworthy, so I can't receive. Ha- have you struggled with that lie and or that spirit? And if you did, like, how did you find healing with that? Oh, Lord. Oh, I have struggled mightily with that and probably, probably always will. I mean, it's part of the, uh, part of the mass. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Mm. Um, and when I first went to mass way back when, when I was like a lost sheep stumbling around the streets of Los Angeles and working <laughs> as a lawyer and saying, whoa, what master am I going to serve? And, uh, and and found myself at a noon mass without any sort of background at all. That was what I heard. This was back in the early 90s. And so at that point, they still said, um, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you. But I heard those words and I just wept mm. because I thought, this is the place for me. This is the home I have been looking for. Because we're saying, 
I'm not worthy to receive you. And yet, two minutes later, we're going to receive him. Right. He's going to be given to us. And I think it kind of goes back to the, the prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son. The fact is, we're not worthy. And yet, and yet we're, we're judged welcome, as I had as my priest friend, Father Terry, used to say. We're so afraid of being judged and we're judged welcome. Mm. So I, I think it's, it's the sort of the central or one central kind of paradigm of Christianity, of Catholicism, that we are, we are welcome to the table. And at the same time, and I think the effect of that, the, the kind of welcome before we've shaped up, right? Right, right, <laughs> right. Is, Uncle has, have you in your mess. Yes, exactly, mm. exactly. And I think many of us think, oh, well, I got to, you know, I'll, I'll get close to God once I figure it out on my own. And it's like, right. no, that's what God is for. Right. Um, like, welcome to the club. And but the but the for me the phenomenon of of realizing I'd been welcomed back somehow, you know, from my really hardcore years as a barfly with lots of sexual wreckage and I mean all of that. But the effect of being welcomed is that you naturally want to step up to the plate right. and start doing better right. and, and call, allow yourself to be called higher. And I think this too is the fulfillment of the law. We will, we will, I mean, you see this as a mother, mm-hmm. I'm sure the kid, right? It, like they want to be a part of, they want to help out, they want to contribute, they want to be and and they'll they'll step up to the plate whereas out of fear when when we're threatened and when we're going to be excluded out of some rule and it's mean we we want we kind of don't act better we might right. stay within the lines but our hearts don't open and um and then the better you act the more worthy in a sense you feel and it's and the worthiness is not the worthiness is just to serve him mm-hmm. it's not it's not in a Oh, I'm so, I'm so worthy now right. that I'm, that I'm, you know, not. It's almost like embracing the fullness of the way he designed you. You know, like yes, worthy exactly. of living out that design that he created you with. Mm-hmm. Right. right, I love that. Also, the 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 spirit of comparison. That's another one that's really, and I'm sure with men too, but especially with women, and especially with social media, and this is like. This it sounds so silly, but I am like super ADD. So one of the reasons that Kingdom Builders exists is, exists is because I constantly try to be this perfect rose, you know, struggle with that spirit of perfectionism. And I'm like hot mess. I'm lucky to find both my shoes. I lose my cell phone like 10 times a day. I'm, it's just who I am, you know? And it's like, I was just trying, to, I was always mad at myself, perpetually irritated with my design. When and, the Lord finally laid on my heart, that I was not a rose, I was a wildflower. And w- while I was reading scripture, I was like, oh my gosh, like it was actually kind of honoring the design he created me with. And I'm like this droopy purple wildflower. I don't even look close to what a rose looks like. And it's like kind of messy, but it's beautiful, you know, and that's that's how he uses me. And there are some women who, you know, like have it all together and and all these things and their diaper bags coordinate with their purse and the sippy cup and they have special little hooks that go in the, the stroller. And I'm like, I can't even find diapers to put in the diaper bag. You know, it's like the realm of differences are so extreme. And I and I just 
I was so tired of feeling like a failure, you know? And really all that comes down to is that spirit of comparison. When we don't embrace the unique beauty of our own design, like I'm designed for something completely different than than you or the next woman or the next man. And that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Like we are puzzle pieces that fit together. So like when when people are struggling with that spirit of comparison, when they're looking at, you know, the highlight reels and comparing them to their dark days, you know, how have you found like balance with that? Yeah, that's, I know we're all, we're all prey to that in the, in the land of social media. Yes. I mean, I'm lucky. I'm so old that I'm, I'm one, probably the last generation that grew or one of them that was not weaned, didn't, wasn't, didn't come out of the womb with people yes, taking pictures of me with mm-hmm. a cell phone shoved into my hand. And consequently, social media, I think certainly has its purposes. And I have my little accounts, but right from the beginning, I just looked at social media as a way to, oh, look, here's a picture of a, of the cactus that's blooming in my neighborhood. <laughs> I very right. rarely put up selfies, which right. I don't like, really liked in my picture. Um, and then I think, I think with social media, we have to remember it, it's not like a wild beast that that runs us down and pounces on us and holds us down and makes us look at it yes. five hours a day. We choose that. Right. And I think it's really up to us. If it upsets us, don't use it. Yeah. And whatever that, oh, well, all my friends use it. Well, consent to be in exile, I think, right. a, a little bit anyway. Because if and it's also, stealing your peace and joy... You know what yes. I mean? Then that's not it's, of God, right? It's not of God. Yeah. And obviously it's the wonder, you know, the perfect reels are, mm-hmm. it's all super curated. It's right. not real. Right. And therefore, not, and again, maybe that has its place. I don't know. I'm, I'm howling at the women who hang the hooks on the stroller. I mean, I'm not even a mother and I'm this, I like in all my years, I've never really figured out like the right container do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm always kind of ha- carrying things around in a brown paper bag <laughs> or, so or, or so this kind of whacked out, half yep. broken, like Ziploc. But I just can't. And I, I'm in awe of people who, but as you said, I think at some point we simply have to accept and who we are. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not going to get better. I mean, I think we're bound to in the ways that we can try to improve just just in so if for no other reason to make ourselves more useful to the people around us but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just not going to be perfect my hair is always going to be messy no matter how much i comb it etc and <laughs> but more i think that that's apparent stuff for me more the comparison takes place in i'm not kind enough i'm mm. not charitable enough i'm not generous enough to the poor I'm not tolerant enough. I'm not patient enough. I don't, I'm not good at hands-on works of mercy. I can write. I have a very limited range. I can write and I give everything I have to that. Mm-hmm. But who cares? No one cares. And is it? So that's, mm. and I shouldn't say no one cares, but that's I, the stuff I was going to say, Heather, I care. Like, <laughs> your writing right. is so inspiring to me. Yes. Um, but the, but yes. that that, comp- that spirit of comparison, I remember reading this book and it was talking about somewhere in Mexico, these women do some type of rosary on their knees the whole way of the cross. And I wept because I can't stand heat. Like I actually like physically melt. I don't, I don't know why, but 
the idea that you would do it on your knees while sweating and dripping. And I was like, I know I don't have the strength or the willpower to do that. And I felt so bad. And I was like crying to the Lord and saying like, I'm so sorry that I'm not strong enough like these women. And at the time we had, um, it was our first foster child who we, she was, she was 14 turned 15 while we had her. And so she aged out of the system. We didn't actually adopt her, but she was really hard. And he, he said, just laid on my heart, didn't speak it, just like laid on my heart. This is your way. This is way your way on your knees. Embracing the unloved or the unwanted, even though it's really hard. And even though we had five other children and like, that's my way of my knees. And then those other women in Mexico who are doing their way on their knees, like each way is unique to our design and he needs each of our ways. And so... Yeah, I never even thought about that being a spirit of comparison too. Like, I'm not doing enough for the kingdom, and other people right. are doing more or doing it better. Or, you know, the same the same spirit, but in a, a different way. Yeah. Yes. Totally. I mean, I'm not even. I look at a mother and just think, my gosh, that's that is the martyr's crown. And but <laughs> but I think in, in when we're really spiritually sound then we we just look at each other and admire each other and celebrate right. each other and a lot of the time i i can do that and i'm sure you can too and most of us can you know of oh right. how beautiful look at this we all love to see a mother and and father with their kids and so yes and how how it's really the question is right how can i be given my my own little kit of gifts and talents, how can I give myself to those and use them fully? Yes. Um, right? He doesn't Amen. need another Dorothy Day. He no. Doesn't, he doesn't need another Mother Teresa. He need, He does. He needs us to be who we are. And again, yes. Therese, of course, is, is so yeah, on point. The epitome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so on point. Exactly. So on point. Another thing I think for women... We know that the characteristics of God are he's good, beautiful, and true. And so we're naturally attracted to those things because we are created to be attracted to the good, beautiful, true, because that's God. Um, and we are called to reflect that, you know, because we're created in his image and likeness. But Satan has an ability to get in there and twist what is beautiful, what we believe beautiful to be. And I... I remember my grandmother, who was a big German woman, um, so loving, so good, so kind. And she was actually in a wheelchair at the time. And I remember her um, trying on a new blouse. And I, she had to be in her late 80s. And I remember her saying, does this blouse make me look fat to my mom? And I thought, good grief. We have to keep worrying about that even when we're 80-some years old. Like, that was super depressing for me. And I'm like, good grief. Really? I mean, she's in a wheelchair and she's worried about whether she looks fat in this blouse. So I'm like, what is happening? But it, it, is that crazy? <laughs> My daughters and I, we used to watch this um, like Dallas Cowboys cheerleader where they would try out for the team and they're so itty bitty. And by every like secular standard, they were physically beautiful. And every single one of those girls would go on camera and talk about how her knees are just a little bit too fat 
or she oh. just carried that little bit. Of, and they are like size double zeros, itty bitty. But it's like the enemy gets in there no matter what size we are, no matter what <clears throat> we look like, and says, you're not beautiful. You know, like, have you struggled with that? And how have you found a way around that or to, to speak truth over all those lines? <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I laugh. No, that's it's a beautifully articulate question. Oh, yes. I mean, speaking of the fat thing, I, I was watching this old movie, Touch of Evil, Orson Welles, and Janet Janet Lee is in it from the who started in Psycho. But she's in it and she right, she's like a size double zero. She's got this kind of satin chemise on. I mean, a wasp waist. And I'm I'm looking at her thinking. You know, like I need to, like I, you know, if you stopped eating the crackers, <laughs> you could, it, you know. And it's, the carbs are so delicious, though. Yeah, if I could just lose like seven and three eighths pounds, right, like right. I really, really, you know. So yeah, and they, you know, to be fair, I think that's that is part of the cross, right? That mm. our longing for the infinite, we do long for beauty, for perfection. And part of it is longing for that for our, for ourselves. Right. So it's not, it's not, that's not necessarily a ban, a matter of vanity. I don't think it's kind of poignant. Right. And then, and then of course, sadly, right. We do fear always that we're, we're judged for how we look and we don't look, but anyway, and I I was thinking too, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was the valedictorian of my eighth grade class in Northampton, New Hampshire, which was not that big of a feat. I didn't know they had valedictorians in eighth grade. (laughs) I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, in our town. Yes, we did. So as a valedictorian and my mother, my sainted late mother, had made me, sewed me this beautiful little dress. It was white and had little embossed fabric and puff sleeves. And she had painstakingly made. And that afternoon, the afternoon before the graduation, she found me lying face down on my bed, sobbing. <laughs> What's the matter? I'm so ugly. Mm. So see, it starts early. Mm. And is that part of the fall. Mm. I'm so ugly. I look at, you know, we all look at pictures of ourselves now when we're young and you're like, oh, come on, you were the cutest right, thing right. in the world. <laughs> when you're, when you're in high school thinking? and you're like, I'm so fat. And I look back at high school, yeah. I'm like, if only I could be that fat again. <laughs> if only, yeah. Yeah. So no, definitely. And, and if anything has helped me with all of this, I do think not to be corny, but it really is, especially as a single celibate, woman i mean i do kind of consider myself a bride of christ as mm. we get to as all of us get to and again yes. therese wrote out her own wedding invitation i mean i do think it's you know that christ that we have a god who is a who is a person capital mm. p you know that we he sees us like he saw philip under the fig tree and he obviously loves us right. and so can i gaze upon myself with the eyes that that he has to, right. you know, right? And sometimes yes, yeah, sometimes you know. But it does. It really helps me to know I'm I'm beloved in his eyes, you right. know. Father Bonaventure Hicks he talks about that the Lord loves our humanity, and that when we're criticizing our body, I, I remember, and this was actually less than a year ago, I told the Lord boy, it would be so nice if I was just a soul because this whole body thing is like holding me down. Like, 
I have lots of kidney and bladder issues and it's like, it holds me back. I have these big plans and then all of a sudden I'm flat on my back. And so how silly is that? Like it's our vehicle. Our bodies are vehicle for our soul. Mm -hmm. But to be able to love our body, because God calls it very good, you know, and he loves our humanity. And that when we're struggling with, you know, sometimes I'm, I struggle because I'm, I call myself a geriatric parent. So I have, you know, this huge age span of children and I currently have a five and seven year old. I just do not want to play in the ground. I don't want to, like, I don't want to. And I have to, like, bring that to the Lord. Like, Lord, my body is tired. I do not want to play cars on the ground. And I just bring that to him. And he always gives me the grace to then sit down on the ground and play cars with my my little mm-hmm. boys rather than trying to, again, hide that from him, just to receive the grace that's necessary for this stage in my life, even though it's a very different than stage than most people are going through. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. to embrace that and to move forward. But my humanity is not a block. It's not a barrier. That is very good. And the Lord loves it, regardless of whether we struggle to love it. The Lord loves our humanness. And that I read that and I was like, whew, that was that was a mind shift for me. So often it talks about like the power of the flesh, the power of the flesh. And I actually took that to mean body. You know, when Paul talks about the body being negative, the body being negative, and that's not what he means. He's talking about concupiscence, the desire to sin. And so understanding like our body is good, the desire to sin, that's a, that's a not good, a non-good, but the body is good. It's very good. Yes. And, and I think, again, we've kind of been talking about our, our physical attractiveness in a way. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, I think, too, gratitude, because the body— yes. We are wondrously made. I mean, that anything works, that we can walk, that we can breathe, that we can see, that we can do so much with our hands, all of that. And that's the real, that's... That's what's beautiful. Yeah, that's the real deal with our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's not how great do I look on my... Exactly. Influencer, Catholic influencer. Right. Instagram feed. (laughs) That's so true. It's so yeah. true. And mm-hmm. the the woman's body is like so especially beautiful and just femininity femininity in general just so beautiful and the witness of living that out is so rare. Um that's one thing I just love how you just embrace the witness of truth and femininity, but again it's rare. So what do you feel like holds women back using the beauty of their design to build in the church? And where do you feel like women are most needed right now? Mm. Well, as I, um, the book that you mentioned, Ravished, mm-hmm. is the subtitle is Notes on Womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I talk in there about, about this kind of iconic moment. I was doing the 30 day Ignatian exercises on the coast of Massachusetts. And um, there were these outside stations at the cross. And it's not, it's not like I had never done the stations before, of course, but somehow I had my little laminated card and I got to the eighth station. Jesus speaks to the women. It is the last station before he falls for the third time, is stripped of his garments and is nailed to the cross. He speaks to us. Mm. And I just thought, we are so needed. I mean, always, but maybe right now more than ever. Yes. Womb, look at the root word of woman, womb. Everything about us, we are meant to bring life 
into the world in whatever way is given to us. And, and our whole being is ordered around that, yes. right? Our capacity to receive, to nurture, to patiently endure, to stand at the foot of the cross steadfast, and our sense of humor, right? right? Like Lord our sense loves of, to hear us laugh, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. and I just feel like, let's just, I mean, this is more culturally, but you and I talked about this a little the other day. It, I just, the cultural kind of paradigm of womanhood that is handed to me, I just utterly reject. I don't find anything Amen. that that corresponds to my own experience. And yes. I don't have noticed, I love men. I honor men. I have no desire to be anything like a man or to right. compare myself to man, to a man or, and I think like to, as Therese did, we don't have to, if you're really a quote feminist, which to me means a celebrator of womanhood, right? we don't have to, no, we're not going to be priests in the sense of receiving the sacrament, but who's stopping us if, if we want to be priests in the, in the sort of Catholic with a small C sense of pastors and bridges, who's stopping us? Let's right. do it. We're surrounded by people who are suffering instead of whining about how oppressed and aggrieved and the patriarchy. And this includes in the church. I right. just feel like go use your, let's use our gifts, all of us. And Absolutely. the church will find a place for us. Amen. The church found a place for me. I write for Magnificat. I write for Angelus News, the biggest archdiocese in the country. You know, I came off like off of a bar stool right. and had no mentors. I mean, no famous people in or out of the church. And I just kept my eyes on, on Jesus, sort right, of. And, right. And the church, even if you feel like you don't fit in, you don't fit into a certain category, or you're you're a mother but you do it all wrong, or you're not a mother and you do that all wrong, no one. Okay, let's leave that at the door. What are your? What sets you on fire? Let's mm-hmm. bring that. And, Amen. And, right, because man, we need to we need to keep the flame burning. You know, Absolutely. it's what's kind of a remnant right now, and the flame of joy, of love, of laying down our life for our friends and no one's stopping us, but us is the way I look at it. Absolutely. (laughs) I was listening to the speaker talk about how we, our survival many, many, many years ago was we had to stay in the cave because if we exited the cave, we would hit the saber toothed tiger and whatever. So like our natural instinct to leave what is comfortable will always be difficult, but that is where our life is waiting, you know, to be able to to exit and, you know, try out something that the Lord has laid on our heart. I think that spirit of perfection, like, oh, I really feel called that I want to, you know, organize food in a food pantry, but I'm sure someone else will do it or I'll probably do it bad or whatever. It's like the power is in the presence. Like you get out there and you try, does this spark energy? Does this just spark energy? And to let go of the whole cave dweller mentality, there's a quote by Benedict, like, we're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness, right? And so like the natural desire to want to stay in our cave, especially since COVID, especially since, you know, so, so many of us are worshiping at the throne of Netflix and like like to, to leave that cave dwelling and to go into the discomfort so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ is a little scary, 
but it's exciting. It's like an adventure. That's when you get to figure out like the fullness of your design. And so just encourage you if you're like listening and you're like, yeah, like that, that makes sense. I want to do that. Move forward. Like so often it's indecision that is actually so much worse than making the wrong decision, right? So like, I'll just, I'll wait and maybe, the, and then we end up doing nothing. Like we're really good planners, but then it's like following through with the plan, you know, just to right. move forward and then just trust in your presence and the Holy Spirit within you and how the Lord wants to use your design in the church and in the world. Like the Lord wants his daughters fully involved in the church. And when we're baptized, we're baptized priest, prophet, and king, you know, not the priest in the sense that we're going to perform the sacraments, but that we're going to go, like you were saying, go out into the world and care and minister to those who need us. Right. Because we are the church. We are. We are the church. So, yes, absolutely. Do the right. Do the next indicated thing and hold a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. We're right. We all want to be in our tensionless, me included, of course, right. um, my, my so-called tensionless little empire where I'm praying, I'm, I'm reading, but we're always called out in mm-hmm. some way. It's yeah. so true. Some I heard another speaker say, I, I'm really good about hearing people, but then not remembering who said it. But, you know, the Lord talks about many things, but in scripture, but the one thing that Jesus always is clear on is us caring for the orphans and the widow, like us going out and caring for the poor, yeah. you know? So anything around that, that's fine. And also that that's often our, our prayer life can feel dry until it's sparked by charity, by doing those works of charity, because that's in giving and giving we actually receive, which takes us right back to the beginning is being able to receive. Anyway, thank you, Heather. It's such a gift to be able to talk with you today. We are so excited to have you with us for our conference. And once again, our conference will be held on October 1st, 2022. We're going to celebrate St. Trezel Sue. Heather will be talking about her. We have Claire Dwyer talking about St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, who connects with Therese in a beautiful way. I will also be talking there um, about like our littleness and how to be able to trust in the Father and and walk where he's leading us. And tickets can be found on our website, and that's buildingthroughhim.com. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you, Mary Jo. This was a delight. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.